I personally don't think it's fair that the kids get to wiggle on the floors and adults don't. So adults, if you just get, want to get your wiggles out, you go ahead and go on the floor. Now we will look at you differently than we will the kids. And some of you may not be able to get up without help, but go right ahead because it's Christmas Eve. So glad you're with us. Uh, worshiping on the Lord's Day, and the oddity of this year is that of the five Advent candle lightings, two of them happen on the same day. So just want to encourage you to come to that brief service. We have two times this afternoon, that brief service tonight, which is so beautiful, even as forming our imaginations to grasp for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, because I know full well that some of us come this Christmas season into the holidays and we are full of joy and excitement of the newness of life, like the moms and dads or the grandparents holding those newer babies, or just the good common grace blessings that come, that, that, that befall some of us in, in recent times or months, and there's joy in our hearts. And there are others, maybe an equal number, I walk into this Christmas weekend and are filled with fears, are suffering and broken. And what is beautiful is that Christmas can handle both of those, because Jesus can handle both of those. So I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to have us look at Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 to 7, and I'm going to talk about how Christmas is a ministry to the Christian, and uh, we will focus all our hearts and our minds on the gift of Jesus Christ. So pray with me if you would. Father, thank you that this Christmas, whether we come with excitement and joy because of the common grace gifts that you give, we come with good health, the brand new baby or grandbaby, or the new success at work, or just the general health of our family and our friends, we thank you for that. We know that all good gifts come from you. We acknowledge it is not just our own merit or that we deserve it, but that you've been good to us. Father, we know that for some, we've driven here on the road marked with suffering, that there is loneliness, brokenness, and missing of loved ones or aching in the offering. And so we thank you that Christmas reminds us that it was into darkness that the light came, into brokenness that the Redeemer stepped in. So however you minister to us today through your word and through your truth, do so, Father, by your spirit to each individual sitting here. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah chapter 9, if you have your Bibles or can access that text in some way, do so. You'll recognize verses 6 and 7, for to us a child is born. You've heard that before. But I want to put it in a little bit of its context. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 to 7, I will read it and briefly reflect on it for us. It's the context of an unfaithful ruler over God's people, Israel. 
who is plunging the nation into disrepair. That's what they're facing. You can imagine in our own history as a people, as a nation, or, or, or others in the world now or past, there's been moments of darkness and chaos. So picture that context. It's in this moment of an unfaithful ruler and chaos for God's people that God, through the prophet Isaiah, spoke these words of hope. Isaiah 9, verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. As warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. Why is this so? Verse 6. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now imagine the starkness of hearing those words in a moment of brokenness. In place of an unfaithful ruler, who is plunging the nation of Israel, God's people, into chaos and ruin, God promises to provide a faithful ruler, a different kind of king. But get this, a child. Though it is a child, this child will bring an end to all wars and establish an eternal kingdom based upon justice and righteousness. But why would God give this message of kingly, royal language and promises mixed with the language of a weak, powerless child? It's, it's, not a, it's not a king with a massive sword riding on a white horse. It's a baby. How in the world would God think that would give the kind of hope that God's people would need? Well, part of it is, is this, the, the language is showing the reader of Scripture that no historical person fulfilled this role in the immediate time period. People were waiting for this child to be born. And proof of this is that the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 4 literally quotes from this text, specifically quoting in verse 2, to show that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of this child. There's the child. He is the one. 
But what's interesting with all this robust language in verses 6 and 7 that I read for you, listen to this language, right? The government will be on his shoulders. Don't think government in just like a, 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 a civic understanding. Think kingdom language. And look at the depictions of this king in verse 6, this king child. A wonderful counselor. He will rule with wisdom. Wouldn't that be nice? For any nation at any time. Somebody who is literally, all of his decisions are just described as wonderful. They're filled with wisdom and compassion. That he is mighty. He is not, he's not weak. He's not wise, but wimpy. He's mighty. He's everlasting. It's not something he needs to gather, garner votes for. And he's literally called the Prince of Peace. Shalom. True rest. What kind of a king is this? And can you imagine living in that kingdom? Verse 7 goes on, of the greatness of his kingdom, that's government is kingdom language, and the greatness of his peace, there will literally be no end. He will reign on David's throne. That's a promise made long ago, earlier in the Old Testament, that Isaiah is saying, remember what God promised about his kingdom? This is the one. And he will uphold it with justice and righteousness for good. And who did this? The Lord Almighty. This is only, there's no election that does this. There's no, there's no fundraising movement, political action group that can do this. No one nation can establish this for themselves. Only God can do this. But what's remarkable is that all of that is done without using any of the powerful categories of the world itself. Like God doesn't need to use our tools to accomplish this. God will not deliver Israel from arrogance, war, and oppression, and coercion by being more arrogant, by being more oppressive, by being more political. While God has the power to be all of those things, he has decided to deliver his people with a child. That is, God decided to show his great power and his powerful kingdom in a vulnerable, transparent, and humble way. A baby in a major. Which as Paul's talking about the gospel message, says looks like foolishness to the world. It looks stupid. That's not powerful, that's weak. But to God and to his people, that is the power. Christmas celebrates this, brothers and sisters. Christmas celebrates annually God's gift to the world through Jesus Christ. And I am just convinced, even though Christmas has been celebrated in different ways throughout church history, that a proper biblical way is to see that Christmas is a ministry to us. Christmas pastors us. It shepherds us. It reminds us what is most true. And, and it's hard because we're totally drugged, right? And, 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 and blinded by all the glitz and the glamour, as, as Vera beautifully said, all the glitz and the glamour of the secular Christmas, we can miss 
that simple, seemingly unadorned truth of what Christmas means for the Christian, for the gospel. So I want to just give you six different ways that Christmas is a ministry to us. Here's the first. Christmas fortifies in us the glorious truth that God knows us, that God pursues us, and that God is present among us. You could even think about the church calendar kind of beginning with something like Christmas and Advent, really, and ending with Easter and and seeing how that tells that whole story of the world in truncated form that we annually celebrate to remind us of the true story. The true story is not Monday to Friday. The true story is not work career to retirement. The true story is not birth to death. The true story is the gospel from creation to new creation. That's the story we've got to be living in. And we have to work hard to remind ourselves to live in that story. Christmas celebrates the start of the gospel, the incarnation, God's move to save us. Whereas Easter celebrates the conclusion, the it is finished, the resurrection, and then the ascension. God's completion of our salvation. That's the story we need to rehearse and teach our youngest of children. At Christmas, we remember that God has not forgotten us or abandoned us. Remember, as I prayed for some of us today, you might come into this Christmas season and you're broken and it just does not feel festive. That is exactly, actually, what Christmas is able to minister to you. It reminds you that when the world was, as Isaiah 9, 2 said, when the world, when God's people were in darkness, a light came. God has not only not forgotten you or abandoned you, he is still pursuing you. More than us, he's still pursuing others. Christmas is about Emmanuel. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Hopefully all of you just sang. It's about God with us. Christmas reminds us that God has come to his people and in due course will fully dwell with us. A second way that Christmas pastors or ministers to us is that it reminds us that no matter our age, we are always the children of God who are given good gifts from the Father. To be fair, it can feel like Christmas in our culture is almost aimed at children. And families can do that a bit as well. And there's nothing wrong with the beautiful thing of enjoying the holiday Christmas season and all of the realities there, but there's a lot of kid focus. But the gospel reminds us that all of us who are believers are the children of God. For the Christian, all believers are sons and daughters of the Father. And at Christmas, we remember to return to the Father as a child. Return to the Father as a child. I remember when our... I forget the reason now, but even before our daughter was born, my wife, we were in California. My wife flew back to Minnesota. I believe it was for a family wedding. And I had the two boys. And we survived seven days without mom. It was close, but we made it. And the boys were either like two and four or three and five. All all I know is they were tiny. And I was very glad when mom came home. Then we went to LAX, the Los Angeles airport, to... 
obviously I dropped mom off and, and there was crying in the car on the way home. And then we're driving back to pick mom up from the airport and we're waiting for her to come out. And immediately my oldest son, who's older, spots mom and runs, knocking over people. No, he was still small then. Uh, but he runs to his mom and boom. And my younger son, it, he was so little, he'd almost kind of forgotten just a little bit. And I'm like, there's mama. And he, she was, he was like being hesitant. Like, I'm not shoving the kid, but I'm like, dad is like mom. He's it's not a stranger. And he was hesitant. And he, he's a sniffer. You, you have a sniffer in your house? And so I brought him up to mom and he just comes up to mom. And he's like, and you can just see, he's like, oh. And then just like, boom, he just grabbed his mom. And oh, because he, he, he had to do the sniff test, I guess. And yep, that's mom. So that's you and me. And Christmas is meant to remind us just afresh, remember the goodness of God. Remember all of those common grace gifts are because he's a father who loves to give good gifts to his children. Oh, you feel in darkness and alone? You, like, like the song of Advent, you feel like lonely in exile? Guess who is coming to you? God the Father, a light in darkness. And it's not just for your children or your grandchildren, brothers and sisters, it's for you that you can embrace the Father afresh this Christmas season because you are a child of God and Christmas is for you to celebrate. A third way Christmas ministers to us is that Christmas reinforces in us the need to receive from others. This, this is a common problem Maybe more so in America, or at least I can speak to it. We all can recognize that we like to be self-sufficient and self-reliant. We, 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 we way easier give and help to somebody than receive it ourselves. And some of you know exactly who you are. And maybe all of us can be that in some way. Christmas gives us an opportunity to receive. To receive from our family, to receive from our friends. It's kind of forced on you. You're going to get a gift. This is exactly what the gospel, by the way, demands that you do. You can't give God something in return. There's like nothing you can give him. Or you can say, God, thank you, but I, I don't think I need. The, the, the cross is just too big of a gift. What can I give you in return? Nothing. The gospel demands that we must be recipients of gift. By the, word, by the way, the word grace has the same root as gift. Grace is a gift. Amazing gift, we sing. And one of sin's symptoms is self-sufficiency, self-reliance, not letting God be God and the one who gives. Christmas forces us to receive and to view God as the primary giver. At Christmas, we remember that our entire life is a gift from God, and we live each day with joy and gratitude and the merciful and gracious giving of God. But a fourth ministry of Christmas is that Christmas reinforces in us the need to give to others. The same God who gave to us immediately followed up commanding us to be givers to share what we have received. Christmas demands that we give out of that which we have been given. 
in, in, in a small way, it's just that moment-by-moment moment gratitude, a life of gratitude. That might be the greatest or purest Christian virtue. Somebody lives with gratitude. Again, guess what the root of the word gratitude is? Grace. You just live in this ethos of grace, not just because things go well, but actually at times that trait comes to the surface in the midst of brokenness. At Christmas, we remember to be givers, offering to the Lord and to others our time, our talents, and our treasures in a manner reflective of the Lord's gift to us. Christmas is shepherding us, pastoring us. Again, like, like my little boy who needed a, the sniff test of mom. You just remember the need to receive. You remember the need to give. Fifth, Christmas teaches us to see all gifts as analogies or symbols of the gift of Jesus Christ. Scripture loved to use real, basic, common, tangible things like food and water, bread. It loved to use those simple physical things as symbols for something spiritual and big. Things seem to represent the things unseen. Like, well, we do this. A marriage ring symbolizes way more. It, it symbolizes more than just a piece of metal or gold. It symbolizes this beautiful relationship between a man and a woman. A birthday gift symbolizes the joy and the gratitude and the thankfulness for a life that can't be put into a box with wrapping paper. So also food and water in the Bible symbolize the true deep gifts that God gives. Augustine, a pastor of long ago, taught the church that we should always relate things to God as their true source and object. He's borrowing that from Romans eleven thirty six. Paul ends his summary of the gospel by saying, for from God and through God and to God are all things. For from him and through him and to him. Everything is from him. Everything happens through and because of him. And everything should be returned to him. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Christmas is no different. Our celebration of it is to reflect its true source and object. With Jesus as the greatest gift imaginable. All other gifts, even the cool ones you're about to get. Today or tomorrow. All of those gifts are merely orders before the great feast, which is Jesus Christ himself. So we never forget at Christmas the true gift, the ultimate gift, the personal work of Jesus Christ. And even tonight, as we sing later this afternoon, songs of Christmas celebration, you will find that the centerpiece will be Jesus. Finally, last way Christmas ministers to us, it reminds us how to make sense of the other 364 days of the year. Christmas is the celebration of the incarnation, when God entered into the world to redeem humanity. For this reason, Christmas Day offers the solution to every other day. He's here. He's come. It explains that the pain and suffering has an end. 
that he will take it upon himself. Christmas is the day hope is announced to the world. Light shines in the darkness. Peace settles over chaos. And joy is announced to the world. Christmas, we remember to reset our clocks to the schedule of peace and joy, living each day in light of the truth of Christmas. And if we're not careful, we, we miss that with all the glitz, with, with, with all the shiny decorations. We miss that actually the Christian Christmas is not just a day, not even just a season. It's a lifestyle. It's the gospel message. It's a ministry that steps from Sunday to Sunday and enters into beautiful scenes that will happen among some of you with family and friends by fireplaces and Christmas tree. And it is just as welcome and comfortable and beautiful in a hospital room. It's beautifully present with a grandfather and a grandmother and all of their children gathered around to open gifts as it is for the Alberg family. As they both mourn the loss of a husband and a father and a grandfather, as we mourn the loss of a former pastor and a friend, and yet we celebrate because we know that the very reason Jesus came includes the life to come for Bob Alberg. That's not just for him, a man who preached that how many times in 14 some years from this very location in this very room. How many times did he tell you about the hope that you have in Jesus Christ? How many times did he counsel with you before a funeral? How many times did he speak to you in his office? And now we remember that the hope that he shared with us is a hope that he has himself. Especially on Christmas. But brothers and sisters, it is Christmas. And that changes everything. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And it is the zeal of the Lord Almighty who will accomplish this. Praise be to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gospel, which is so pointed in its expression at Christmas. And Father, we we want to enjoy all the lights and the trees and the foods and the fellowship. But we know that the true nourishment, the reason, the gravity behind Christmas is Jesus. And help us on this Christmas Eve, which is also the Lord's Day, do not miss that. We thank you for Christmas, that you, Father, sent your Son as a baby 
Not to use the tools of warfare and power and politicking that we would do, but to establish your kingdom of, of righteousness and justice and truth and peace. And help all of us, whether we come experiencing the blessings of your common grace or having driven here on the road marked with suffering to taste afresh the ministry of Christmas this year, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.